Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. We are halfway there to the Stanley Cup Championship and the final shake of hands, wherever that may be. And boy, the second round, really exciting. Four teams left in the National Hockey League in the Western Conference. We've got Colorado at Edmonton. And now, after an amazing Game 7, the Eastern Conference will feature the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning going up against the youthful and exciting New York Rangers hockey team. Drew Remenda, it certainly has been an exciting two rounds. And, well, first off, what you just said is mind-boggling as far as if you think about this. Halfway there only. They got eight wins. These next four, te- these four teams remaining need another eight to hoist the Stanley Cup. It's, that's why it's truly the greatest tournament, championship tournament in sports. But the second round was really good as far as the way that the, the hockey was, that was played. Again, individuals trying to make a, I think, Danny, a new name for themselves or a new status for themselves, guys that we haven't really looked at before in the uh, conference finals and for a playoff um, legend, I guess, would be the right, right term, with the exception, of course, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay reestablished themselves as, yeah, we're the champs. What are you going to do about it? And then now you've got these three upstarts, the Rangers, the Avalanche finally get to the, 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 the conference finals, and now the Oilers. So I'm looking forward to this conference finals big time, but it was a really good second round. I think you, you can put a microcosm of the entire second round into game seven between the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. And in fact, that's what we're going to cover in this segment. Rangers in a position where they've been down the entire series, down to the Carolina Hurricanes. They've been down a handful of times in each round, and they found the resiliency to get back and get in. And a main, main character in that play is Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox, who got things started for New York in the first period. Ten seconds to go on the Rangers power play. Rangers move back in. Cop right side feed. Lafreniere back pass to Fox. Moves it, shoots it, scores! Adam Fox! It's a power play goal! Rangers lead one to nothing. Power play, a huge part of game seven, but also Chris Kreider on the power play, an even bigger part as he was humongous in the series. Comes up the board to Panarin, outside the five, outside the man, and then in front score! Chris Kreider on a deflection of the Mika's advantage and shot pass. Chris Kreider. It's a power play goal. How many times does Sam Rosen say that during the course of his career? (laughs) Rangers had two power play goals. Those were the power play tallies in the beginning, and it made a big difference in the game. Huge difference in the game. And, of course, you remember the start of the season when we sat with the Sharks management and they they talked about the need and what 
of a of a strong power play if you want to be a playoff team. Well, I remember that because they said yeah. that the power play was actually more important than the penalty yeah. kill, which goes against your thinking about defense winning first in the playoffs. I suppose staying out of the box is a huge part of it, but there's more and more emphasis on what constitutes good defense, Drew, and a lot of it constitutes puck possession. Absolutely. What Daryl Sutter said, it's checking to get the puck back. Puck possession leads to, to scoring chances. And Daryl always used to talk about playing defense with the puck. The aspect that Doug Wilson Jr. told us about regarding that power play is that the last 10 years, they've been doing their analytic studies and looking at the top teams in the playoffs and the top winning teams, you had to be at a certain threshold power play wise to be a championship or, or contending team. So you're right. We're seeing more and more emphasis and more and more importance on the power play and being able to, to not only just get, get momentum from the power play, but be successful on the power play. And you look at these four teams that are now left. They're all very good in the power play. That they are. Rangers certainly in front, 2 nothing on that one. Then Ryan Strom made it 3 nothing in the second period. And that's where goaltending started to come in. Oh. Antti Ranta had some good moments in the game, but then some rough ones. Picked up by Hedl. Hedl into the Carolina zone. Right circle, backhander. Goes, was stopped by off the mask. I believe of that Ranta. was high off of Ranta's I mask. Think so. What a, what a move by Hedl. Yep, Philip Hedl on that third line for the Rangers. We'll talk about more about him in a little bit, but uh, what a contribution he made right there. Antiranta showing that the Hurricanes weren't going to roll over and play dead, even though they were down in the game by the score of 3 nothing. Yeah, um, this was a game, when you think about it, as, as the series went, home teams were, were winning. In fact, the Carolina Hurricanes have never lost a game seven at home since becoming the Carolina Hurricanes, 6-0. and and even though they were down, they were battling. But goaltending was a huge issue, not only for the Hurricanes, but for that other team as well, because <laughs> the Rangers were pretty darn good in that. <laughs> well, it's funny how you can predict the future here, because uh, that's what happened a little bit later in the second period when the Hurricanes made the push. Carolina moves his fetching puck down the left side. Beat it for a great save. What a save by Shesterkin on Tara Vinan. Yeah, he was unbelievable during the course of this, got stronger and stronger, played with a tremendous amount of confidence, and that set things up for a pretty fascinating third period. I mean, what you said, Drew, Carolina hadn't lost a game at home in the entire playoffs. And then going back to the years with uh, uh, with Rod Brindamore behind the bench, victorious in so many Game 7s yeah. in their building, including the 2006 final that made Brett Hedekin a Stanley Cup champion. But it would all go the other way here in this particular contest, and a big reason was the play of Chris Kreider. Boss gets there, centers, deflects to the Rangers. Petrano, he leads Kreider and breaks in. Kreider to the net, he scores! You! Wow! <laughs> The great speed and power of Chris Kreider. He scores his second of the game, and it's 4 nothing Rangers. Chris Kreider has been a monster in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he's right there with most career goals in games when facing elimination in the history of the NHL. Now think about that. That's yes. the ultimate pressure. You're facing elimination. Game 7, of course, you're both... Uh, facing the opportunity to eliminate, but more importantly, if you lose, you're out. And 
believe it or not, the most goals in history of the NHL when facing elimination would be somebody you'd expect. Mark Messier, 16 mm-hmm. goals in that situation. So that's the most in history of the NHL. Five guys are tied for second place. Justin Williams, Mr. Game course, 7. Mr. Game 7. Maurice the Rocket Richard. Certainly, I'd love to see how many uh, Game 7s he was in. Not as many, but certainly a chance to eliminate other teams. Gilbert Perrault, Buffalo Sabre legend, 15 goals. Yaramir Yager, Hall of Famer, 15 goals. And Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider. How about that? I know. It's, it was, it's amazing. Because, you, you know, we don't give Chris Kreider enough credit for how darn good he was or is. And you look at that goal, the one that you just played, that was perfectly described by the great Sam Rosen. But the speed on the outside, the drive to that, puts the leg out, protects the puck, and then holds on and cuts across the front because he's got all that speed. Jacob Slavin couldn't, couldn't check him. It was a fantastic goal. That was the, to me, that one was the dagger. That one was the dagger. Did you because, see the reaction of the players on the Hurricanes oh yeah, bench? They absolutely. Were down? Oh, yeah. Because by that time, the Hurricanes had scored a goal. Vince Trocek, you know, uh, they were down 4 nothing in this game at that point. Vince Trocek would score a goal, but they almost didn't have the heart for it at that no. point. Well, the great, great line was uh, Ray Ferraro was talking about, okay, well, here's your chance. Because there's some time left, lots of time left. You know, and the San Jose Sharks know that 4-1's a, a score you can come back from. So... <laughs> He was talking about the comeback. Maybe they, they get a little momentum here, a little bit of comeback, and then Kreider scores. He goes, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I remember he said that, never mind. But yeah, the Hurricanes did did put Trocek out there. They scored the goal, and that gave them a little bit of life. But Philip Heedle said no to that just seconds later. Shane lost it. Here's Heedle all alone. He scores! <laughs> the Rangers' hands yeah. are back. Philip Heedle. Dave Maloney, a little bit excited on that run, the color commentary behind Sam Rosen on Rangers radio, but Philip Kiedel, I wanted to talk about this third line. We're going to get to that for round number three, but this line of Kiedel at center, Alexi Lafreniere on, on one wing and Capo Caco on the other. Uh, this line combination is going to be absolutely critical to the Rangers if they want to advance and even maybe win the cup. And we always talk about third lines. But how young are those guys? And look how many young players are on the Rangers that are under the age of 25. It gives you certainly some perspective to what the San Jose Sharks are trying to do and what they expect from their young kids in the next year or two. First off, I want to go back to when we were in New York early, early, early in the year. There's a certain radio uh, play-by-play guy for the San Jose Sharks who talked about Heedle and Kako on that program uh, during the broadcast and how much he liked them. I still remember that. And your uh, Nostradamus-like ways has shown that, yep, you're right about those two guys. Absolutely. We knew Lafreniere was going to be great. He's the top draft choice, right? But when you look at Capo Caco and you look at uh, Heedle, especially, I remember you talking about Heedle, how much you liked him. They were instrumental. And we've already talked about Tampa several, several times, how much you need those depth guys. Go back to the best third line in Sharks history. Ricci, Sundstrom, Thornton. How they could dominate a game. How could they could take it over. How they could swing momentum. How they could check. How they could score. How they could control the offensive zone. So important to have those guys. If you don't have them, you don't win. No, you don't. And in fact, that line, the Ricci line that's so famous in Sharks history, also could do this. They'd play against top lines. 
and yeah. they would they would cause trouble for the top lines, which means the other coach can't match quite as well because with two lines you're you're kind of prepared, but that third line can make such a huge difference. And uh, you know, you remember that when Anaheim won the Stanley Cup, Travis Moen on that third line, yeah, uh, with uh, with uh, Paulson, Sammy Paulson in the middle, that was a really great line for them. That was that was critical at that time of the year. So uh, keep your eye on that line certainly, and they they were instrumental in this game. Also, it came down to the uh, to the final minutes, and of course, I wanted to give Sam Rosen a chance to tell us how it all ended. One minute, you can count it down. What a game it's been for the New York Rangers. Game seven of this series. The home team had won the previous six, and the Rangers have come into Carolina, and they've done it. 40 seconds to go. 6-2, Rangers lead it. Schneider holding behind his own net. Forechecking is Martinuk. Schneider up the right side. Backhanded out of the zone by Hedl. 25 seconds to go. Redden Smith back for the puck for Carolina. Ranger fans on their feet, waving towels. Ranger fans still here, cheering on the Rangers. 10 seconds to go. And it's down to five. The puck in the Rangers zone. Down to two. And it's over. The New York Rangers. The dream continues. They've done it. They have advanced to the Eastern Conference Final to play the Tampa Bay Lightning with a terrific 6-2 win here in Raleigh. What a performance by the New York Rangers. Man, of course, what Sam Rosen is talking about is what the players feel. It is a kind of a dream sequence to get through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We saw that in San Jose in 2016 when the Sharks advanced to the final against Pittsburgh. While it's happening, it feels like that, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't there with you guys. <laughs> but I remember being home cheering for, for the Sharks, watching it, thinking, wow. Look at how far they're going. They're getting there. Well, I guess we, you know, was, we were around together when we uh, went to the conference finals against uh, Calgary, then Chicago. But That's what it that, feels like, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, even in the, the first years, you know, when we made the playoffs against Detroit and even getting to Toronto in that second round, it seemed like, wow, this is so cool. Are we really doing this? Especially the team that, that we had that we were so brand new to it, but you look also with the Rangers, Danny, this, they weren't supposed to do this this year. No, they were, they had, they had rebuilt, started to rebuild. They had the situation last year with Tom Wilson and Panarin. And then the general manager after Mr. Uh, um, Dolan was getting upset with the NHL. And then you had all that stuff happen. And then John Davidson and, and um, uh, Gordon were left go, let go, and then they brought in Drury, who does have some success in the playoffs as a player, and they accelerated that rebuild, brought in Gerard Gallant and Shesterkin, <laughs> and then they, they took over. Uh, this was not supposed they, – they're ahead of schedule, if you ask anybody in that Ranger organization. Probably two years ahead of schedule. I agree. I, I agree, yep. So that's, that's where they are. That's what they're feeling, and they're just going to ride the wave. So you can expect that – uh, maybe Coach Gerard Gallant, a little bit nonplus when talking about the game, uh, certainly credited his goaltender a little bit. Well, we, we attacked a little bit, we battled, but again, our goalie led the way and uh, made some great saves at key times, but we took advantage of some power plays early in the hockey game and you know got that lead on them and 
makes it tough to come back when you get the, you know, the two-goal lead after the first. Adam Fox had an initial reaction after the series victory on ESPN. I think we're a resilient group. Uh, you know, we're a young group. We have a lot of faith in each other in there. And uh, when our back's against the wall, it seems it brings out the best in us. So, uh, you know, these past two games, a full team effort. It took everyone to contribute and, uh, you know, couldn't be prouder of the team. They couldn't be, and certainly that's how it feels for the young guys. But, of course, uh, the next challenge is going to even be greater. Oof. <laughs> but, really, this is such a great setup. Tampa, the defending champs, looking to three-peat against the New York Rangers, the team that's the kind of the, the upstarts, the young team, as you talked about. Two of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. One, the vet. Proved it. Andre Vasilevsky, the number one goalie in the league against the number one 26-year-old up-and-comer, both Russian players. It's Russian goalies. It's going to be fantastic. Well, that it is. And, of course, Adam Fox inside the interview room after getting off the ice was talking about that as he discussed the resiliency of the Rangers. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we're a resilient group in there. We've said it all year. Uh, you know, backs against the wall five times now, and uh, we've come through all five, so... Uh, definitely want to keep this momentum going into the next round. Uh, you know, we do have bigger goals. Obviously, it's a huge accomplishment for our team. Uh, but, you know, we just want to carry it into the next round here. Meanwhile, head coach Rod Brindamore was uh, certainly licking his wounds a little bit and expressing the feelings of pride and disappointment at the same time after the game about his team. It was the same story. I thought we had a great first period. Like, it was just, and then look up, we're down two. They got the two power play goals, and it was just, a killer you know because I really felt we were playing really well um, so that's you know that's kind of the broken record on this one this this series and where have we heard that before Drew whenever things don't quite go your way even when you have a great team it is sort of a broken record as uh, the teams lose games Igor Sesterkin faced 16 shots in the first period and many of the holy crap variety that should be in and he, he gave his team that opportunity to win the hockey game. There's no way Carolina should have been down 2 nothing in that first period. No way. But goaltending's part of the game. Everybody says, yeah, but the goalie. Yeah, hey man, that's part of the game. Well, Brendan Moore went on and talked about his team as well and the year that they had. It's always tough. Um, tougher maybe because, I, you know, I felt like we were in a different spot this year. You know, it wasn't that we were better than anybody, but I felt like we weren't worse. We were right there. And so um, that makes it maybe a little tougher. And, you know, it's another chance. I don't want to say lost, but it's, you know, another year where you don't get that chance. So um, very proud of the group, though, overall. It was a phenomenal year. Um, just the way the guys played every game. I mean, from start preseason all the way to now, like they just they gave it everything they had. So as a coach, pretty proud of that. Uh, proud of the group, obviously very disappointed for the group. You can certainly feel for people like Sheldon Key for the Maple Leafs, Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes, lots of expectations of their team. You go back in Sharks history, you feel some of those same things. And Drew, you've been in that coach's room, obviously. I just want to take a moment to express how much work these guys do as a group and how amazingly exhausting it is when it finally comes to an end and you don't have practice tomorrow and not for a good reason. Yeah, it's an empty feeling. He described it the best, Rod did, because it is 24-7. And that's, I know that's a cliche, but it's literally true. 
you are sitting there every day. You go over the video. You get on the ice with the guys. You go back over video. You watch the other team. You also preparing ahead of time because okay because you're in game seven i got to make sure i got all my tampa knowledge down ready to to download for the guys there's so much work that goes into it and then of course you're always building up to that that big game that day that everything is focused on that one thing the game and then when there's no more games you sit around look at each other you do have a feeling of gratitude to the guys because Danny, you've seen it just as much as I have, how much the guys go through when you start getting deep into the playoffs, what, they, what they're willing to do and what they have done in order to help your team win. So the gratitude is immense. You're, and it's sadness. I mean, it is sadness when you lose. You're disappointed that you, you weren't able to keep going. But overall, that... that um, I love, I guess, is, is the word that you use. You have for the players and for the coaches and everything you've gone through. It's, uh, it's, it's a very powerful moment, but it's also a very disappointing one. But it also was a motivating moment, obviously, oh, yeah. for any yeah. team. It makes you want to get back the very next year, maybe even the very next day, and, and really get started for the next campaign. And that's exactly what the Carolina Hurricanes are going to have to do. Unfortunate for them. Meanwhile, the upstart Rangers get a big, big challenge in the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and that is going to be a great uh, round number three matchup. Speaking of that, we're going to go over the entire round number three on the show when we come back after this on the Sharks Audio Network. When you hear coordinated care, what do you imagine? Nurses going viral for their dance routine? (laughs) Not here. At Kaiser Permanente, coordinated care has nothing to do with dancing and everything to do with quality and convenience. With Kaiser Permanente, you don't have to worry about getting your records sent from place to place because our electronic medical records seamlessly connect all of your doctors, nurses, and specialists. It's so easy, you might do your happy dance. Kaiser Permanente, tomorrow's health care today. Learn more at kp.org slash thrive. We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Time now to talk about round number three in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we begin with the comment from Gerard Gallant after game number seven as he ponders the possibilities of the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning coming into his grill. They're obviously, they're a great team. They won two cups. Uh, John Cooper's you know, great coach, good friend of mine. And it should be a battle. It should be a fun series. We played them well in the regular season, which means nothing. We knew going back to New York, we'd get back in the series. That game three was a huge game for us, and you know we played well in our building, and we finally found a way to win a game on the road in this building on game seven. But uh, we're <laughs> looking forward to the challenge. I'm really excited, actually, about, about what we've got here. For so many years, Drew, we always heard the, all the litany about Ovechkin versus Crosby, Crosby versus Ovechkin. Why can't they play in the Stanley Cup final? What's wrong with the playoff system? And, and yet the excitement of whenever those two superstars played against each other. What we've got right now is we've got the same scenario, except you've got McDavid for Edmonton going up against McKinnon, who's been amazing in the playoffs for Colorado. And, you know, the Oilers and the Avalanche each average more than four goals a game in the playoffs. It's the fifth final four series in Stanley Cup playoff history and the first one in 34 years to feature two clubs entering with an average goals per game of 4.3 or higher, yeah. which, you know, that, that should be an unbelievable, you watch, it'll be a defensive struggle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Coaches will 
clamp down on that right away. And our good friend Jay Woodcroft doing a terrific job uh, with Edmonton as he came in in January and turned that team around. Jared Bedner is a Saskatchewan guy, so you got to give him a pat on the back. Darcy Kemper, goaltender from Colorado, is a Saskatoon guy. I know Darcy, I worked with him a little bit in a couple of summer camps, <clears throat> excuse me, and he was just one of the, um, he just wanted to get better in his younger times when he was a little, a younger goalie in the league. But this is a series where, as you talked about Crosby Ovechkin, um, you could go back and maybe look at other matchups that you've had where you think, okay, why can't we have this guy against that guy or this guy against the Gretzky against Lemieux or, you know, Eisenman against him, against Sackick or whoever you wanted to have out there. These are two of the most dynamic players in the national hockey league, two of the best players in the national hockey league. McKinnon is similar to McDavid as far as skating speed, but he has a very different skating stride. He's, he's a little bit more powerful in his stride. It's a harsher, nasty stride. In fact, everything he does is harsh. Everything he, he plays with a big edge, but we've seen Connor take that step in this playoffs to be more of a player with an edge, high level of skill, ridiculous level of skill, of course, but now is the really the true team leader and not looking for anybody else to help him out. He's just going to do it himself. You better come with me in this fight and he'll hold you accountable. But then you've got Rantanen, Landeskog, Makar, and on the, the Oilers side, you have got Zach Hyman. Leon Dreisaitl's got 26 points as well with a bad ankle. Um, you have got Darnell Nurse. You've got Duncan Keith, the old vet, and two goalies that aren't going to get a lot of respect, but don't have to really make huge saves. If they just make stops, they're supposed to stop. Their team's going to be okay. This is going to be a fun series to watch. I think these teams, we've been looking for, a, we've seen the offense in, the, in this playoffs go up. We've seen a lot of mistakes happen. We've seen a lot of guys score goals. I think, I think it, the, the five on five play will be phenomenal to watch and the power plays look out because there is, there is some major league firepower. I, I picked Colorado to, to win the Stanley Cup way back when, you know, to do, to do when you're breaking it all down. Now, you know my ability on predictions. I suck at them. So you should probably run the other way when I say this team is going to do it. But I, I look at Colorado as I still think they are the formidable team to beat. I just think it's now is their time. I think so, too. There are some cracks in the armor occasionally that we've seen, but I'm going to go back to their third line. J.T. Comfer, uh, Nicholas Obey-Cubell, and, uh, and Burakovsky. That's a pretty tough third line. Yeah. They, they, they have a lot of power, a lot of speed, but they can check, too. Burakovsky's been great this playoffs. Yeah, he's something. Yeah. And again, you're right. It goes back to third lines. It goes back to depth. You have to have depth if you're going to win. Again, we talked about Tampa Bay, and why not? Two times defending Stanley Cup champions. That team's depth has won them series, has won them and kept them in games. And you look at what they're doing now, they had to change that, that their middle guys, their third, fourth line guys over, but they were able to do it, do it successfully. And now they continue to move on. You cool. need depth. Well, think about it. Their third line is Ross Colton at center, Corey Perry on the right side, and Brandon Hagel on the left wing. I mean, that, yeah. that's a great third line. Outstanding. And my good friend Patrick Maroon, who um, was in Edmonton, got traded, and then he went to St. Louis. Cup, Tampa, Cup, Tampa, Cup. 
damn guy's three three time Stanley Cup winner. Trying he's trying a, to do it again. Exactly. He's a terrific fourth liner, scores big goals, goes to the net, tough, plays tough. And Danny, you'd love the guy. He is such a terrific individual. Well, I love the fact that that, that his in-laws own Charlie Gito's in St. Yeah. Louis. That's a great <laughs> restaurant that all the broadcasters <laughs> love to go to. And his line mate, by the way, Pierre Edouard Belmar is an underrated yeah. fourth line center. A guy that, that that has such a unique background, came from France, found his way to get to Sweden, to get to the National Hockey League. A very unorthodox trip. Played for the Philadelphia Flyers mm-hmm. a little bit, and now he's... He was with, obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights, and now he's with this hockey team. That last couple of games, head coach John Cooper had to go with uh, with uh, Jan Ruda as the so-called right wing on the fourth line, effectively using seven defensemen. But here's the other thing, talking about depth. It looks like Braden Point's getting closer to being able to play in round number three. Will the rest, that extra rest of getting a sweep in the second round, help that cause and help the Lightning? Well, Braden had a, struggled in the first round. and. And then, of course, you know, had that groin injury. I, I, it's it obviously rest is a weapon when you're getting this deep in the playoffs. Can Braden get back up to speed quickly and be be 100? No, I don't think so. But again, go back to what we talked about at the start: power plays. Power plays so important, and Braden is a big port, part of their power play uh, potency in Tampa. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how that all works. And I say that uh, that the Lightning are going to take it in six or seven games. I say that the Colorado Avalanche, I'm with you, are going to end up victorious, but it might take them the full seven games to do it the way the Oilers are playing. And who knows? It's I, I predict it'll probably be one of the superstars that, that gets a series-winning goal in that one. And how fascinating would that be? And now it's time for Perspectives from the past we go all the way back to the year 2000 in game seven between the eighth place san jose sharks and the president's trophy winners the st louis blues lowry carries in flips back to the left point Suter reverses it right into the pile nolan behind the net stick handles to the near corner trying to drop it for domfus but got checked by pronger great check by pronger he comes up with a puck 20 seconds to go in the period as Pronger at center shoots it in deep left side of Shields. Turgeon and Hester in there. Hesch got it up to the point. Pronger backhands it ahead. Intercepted by Nolan. And Nolan skates out from the red line. Shot. Star! Owen Nolan from center ice deflects it off of the body of Roman Turek. The Sharks lead it 2 to nothing with 10.2 seconds left in the second period. That is a gigantic goal for the Sharks in the waning moments of the first period of play. For Drew Amenda, I'm Dan Rusinowski. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.